This is the Rhythm of Faith with Eddie Paul. Coffee shops, the place where I used to frequent to study and read back when I was working on my masters. When you went there, you could rely on a hot cup of coffee or tea, some nice jazz music, a space to relax or really dig in and concentrate. You could even study until they closed down the shop or just read the evening paper in peace. It was also a place where you could go to have a deep conversation with friends, classmates, or professors. Today, if you listen closely, you can almost hear anything. Without even trying, you might just overhear people involved in an interview. I've heard people discussing a business merger. I've even heard something as interesting as people deciding they were going to run for public office. And sadly, I've even overheard conversations as devastating as couples deciding how they were going to handle their divorce. Do people really mean to have such important and often personal conversations in public? As a guy just coming in to grab a cup and look through emails, maybe work on a few short projects, it can get a little awkward. However, every once in a while, even if you really aren't trying to, you can overhear truly inspiring conversations. A perspective-changing conversation. On this edition of The Rhythm of Faith, I invite you to listen in on this coffee shop conversation with Benjamin. When you overcome an entire country that distrusts or even despises you, it might be worth dropping a few eaves. Stay tuned because you're listening to The Rhythm of Faith. My name is Benjamin, my wife and I, we are family, we're missionaries in Slovenia. Um, I grew up during the communist times in what was that former Yugoslavia. I came to know Jesus Christ while all my friends were atheists or something else, but most of them were atheists. So at the age of nine, I heard the gospel in a sense, in a way that it suddenly clicked and I realized I was going to help with all the good life that I had in terms of uh, I didn't do any bad stuff but I realized that um, as a good boy quote unquote I was going straight to hell because I didn't I didn't know Jesus personally and so a battle started in my heart I knew I needed Jesus and then at the same time, I was uh, worried what my friends were going to think. And so I ended up that battle after a couple minutes. And I said, I need, I need Jesus. So um, 
deep in communist times, there was a nine-year-old boy who gave his life to Jesus, and uh, I wanted to tell others about him. And as far as I know, I was most likely the only boy in the whole city who was a believer. And so that shaped my life in different ways, because um, um, during communism you couldn't really openly share on the streets. We were free enough to, to have our own beliefs and to, to go to church, but at the same time um, you had to find different ways of witnessing and telling people about Jesus. And most of the time people started asking questions, um, why do you believe in God? Why do you believe the Bible? Isn't that just a fairy, fairy tale and uh, things like that? So uh, people had reasonable questions. And those were some of the things that eventually led me to think about um, how, how do you uh, present the book that I did believe as something that's viable, something that's, um, that has um, grounds in reality and truth. So long as these problems are not solved, so long as ignorance and poverty remain on earth, these words cannot be useless. The Lord was so gracious that um, after some studies in, in medicine, um, the war happened in, in Slovenia in 91 and eventually through various miracles that we don't have time to talk about right now, uh, I ended up coming to the United States and uh, studying at uh, Columbia Bible College at that time in Columbia, South Carolina, where I, um, I started to, to gain my um, deeper biblical understanding and knowledge and later on came to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina to study at Southern Evangelical Seminary where finally those questions that all my friends were asking me, how do you know there is God, how do you know um, the Bible is true, were, those questions were finally uh, answered in, in an evidential way. So that prepared me in many ways to go back to my country, to go back to Europe, because Europe is really way post-Christian now, <laughs> has been for a long time, and uh, people do have those kind of questions. So finally, um, as we came back with my wife and family to Slovenia, we wanted to share Christ. And Slovenia is a needy country, it's a beautiful country, uh, pleasant people, but they have uh, deep needs and deep questions. And a lot of those questions have to deal with the meaning of life, have to do with um, is the Bible true, and uh, how do you know that there is God, who is Jesus, and all these things. So it is important to know those issues and talk about these issues with people because there are some of the, as I say, obstacles in, in their path of um, personal discovery of who is God, who is Jesus, what's the Bible, so, so. Let, let me ask you this, because, you know, we, we discussed earlier that uh, King James Version of the Bible uh, was actually preceded by the Slovenian 
uh, Bible uh, in, in terms of you know translating and, and making it available to the people. So with the actual uh, Slovenian Bible, they are earlier than, than the King, King James Version. Why, why do you think there's such a disconnect uh, between the Bible and, and the people? Well, um, one of the things that is important uh, as, as I'm trying to answer this question is the Bible is, is true. And um, it's true also when it says that uh, this, is, this is the only book that actually deals and answers the deepest human need, which is eventually found in Christ. So the goal and the desire is eventually to bring the Bible to the people, but to bring it in a way that is um, not, um, uh, what's the English word, it's not destructive, to the person you're talking to that's not demeaning, that's, that's respectful. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Bible actually does that and teaches us that we as Christians need to bring God's Word in, um, in an appropriate way, in, in a respectful way, and let God's Word deal with, with the hearts of men and women. So that is why the Bible is so important for, for all of us, because eventually it is uh, God's Word, it's the one that sets us free. Uh, so Slovenia did have the Slovenian culture and people had the Bible printed and published in 1584, a uh, good 27 years before King James. And uh, what happened was at that time in Europe, it was uh, most likely the 12th uh, language or the 12th nation to have the Bible translated and printed in its own language. and. In a, in a European context at that time, it was an amazing event. It was, the whole Europe knew about that. It was a great translation, and the fathers of the nation, uh, one of them is the Primus Truber, and the other one is Dalmatin, who translated the, the Bible at that time. Those two guys were really the fathers of the Slovenian people, the nation. They gave us the culture, the language, the identity. Um, they, they were the first ones to call us Slovenes. And so they desired, because they, um, uh, because they met Christ through reading the scriptures, the Bible, they wanted to bring the Bible to the Slovenian people. So eventually the, the, the disciple of Truber, Dalmatin, he translated the Bible and printed it and um, it came out. So that during that time of Reformation, um, Slovenia was just blossoming as, a, as, a, as, as people, and, uh, but the Counter-Reformation came and, and uh, ended the whole process for, for the next couple hundred years. And basically what happened was the Bible was um, taken away from the people, um, even the priests in the Catholic Church at that time were not allowed to read the Bible. Uh, in some circumstances, the Bible was actually chained to to the pulpit so that nobody would take it. And uh, on the one hand, I understand because it was a treasure, it was a very expensive thing. But on the other hand, it was really uh, symbolic of the, the deepest, uh, the deeper principle that was going on. And it was that the, the people uh, were cut away from the Word of God. 
and it's, it has actually lasted for, for centuries. Even today, as I talk to the people um, who are religious, semi-religious or whatever, they really don't want to read the Bible because they, in a sense, they learned that, uh, um, I would say, knee-jerk reflex from centuries ago, you know, this is not for us, this is only for educated or for the priests, and they will tell us what's there and what's important, and I don't have to read it. So, uh, and in some cases, people have discussed towards the Bible, although they've never read it. And it's just because of all these uh, uh, assumptions that have been going on for centuries. So, finally, um, if since the Bible is the Word of God, and you want to bring the Word of God to the people that can tell them who they are, that their value and their problem and their solution to the problem, which is in Christ. The question now is, how do you bring this wonderful news to the people who they actually have Bibles in bookstores, so it's readily available, but they have a sense that they don't need it, that it's not important, that the Bible is uh, unnecessary book. In some cases, they're thinking it's, it's an evil kind of book. So how do you bring the Bible to a culture with that sentiment? Uh, in a sense, a negative sentiment. Um, the words church, the words God, Jesus, Christianity, it are almost curse words in, in today's culture, where sadly, because of some... Uh, unbiblical uh, events that happened in the past uh, or are happening today of ha or have happened in just recently whether that's moral failures or financial failures and uh, people in a sense are fed up with that kind of church or that kind of Christianity and I can and I can relate to that I can understand that because that's not what the Bible calls us to be. Jesus does, Jesus does teach us to be morally upright. Jesus does teach us to be faithful and in finances and other things. So people who have claimed to be Christians in the past or today and have lived contrary to that have, uh, in a sense, given Christ um, a bad taste, have given people a bad taste about Christ. So I can relate to that. So okay. So how do you bring the Bible to that yeah, kind of people? That, that's that's exactly what what I was thinking. How <clears throat> with with this kind of background, with that kind of history, how did you get to the point where there was this explosion? You know, how how did yeah. people become excited and and even thirsty for for more about Christ? Yeah. Well, uh, we have a couple thoughts, uh, the team that we work together, we had a couple thoughts, mm -hmm. but then eventually the, uh, we've seen God do way beyond what we were even planning or thinking, and um, so basically uh, the, maybe uh, two ideas here. One is I like the old comedies, uh, black and white comedies with Charlie Chaplin and those guys, uh, yes. Oliver and Hardy. And I remember as I was as a kid, I was watching those um, street pie fights. You know, as the pies were flying all over the streets, and 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 you know there was a, a pie flying into somebody's face and those kind of things. So I thought about it, and you know, you can bring a pie to a person and shove it into his face, or throw it into his face, or you can 
kindly, you know, as um, uh, as a bartender or a, a, what, the, what the English word is, a, a server, yeah, a server at a table, you know, they bring it nicely to you. So you can bring a pie to a person in two ways, yeah. in the face or as a server. <laughs> well, I think it's similar with the gospel, the good, no, the good news. Um, it has happened, unfortunately, throughout the centuries that people have brought the gospel and they brought it in, into people's faces. And uh, a lot of times because of that, people have said, thank you, I don't want, I don't want that. And I can understand why. <clears throat> uh, I think the Bible teaches us that we need to bring the Word of God in a respectful way and appropriate and culturally relevant way. So, uh, as we were thinking about that, how to bring now in a culturally relevant way, um, we thought of these great men in Slovenian culture 400 years ago who have lived for God, they have read the Word of God, it changed them, and people in Slovenia know their names and they respect them, whether they are Christians or non-Christians, they, they respect them because of what, how they have blessed uh, Slovenian people, not just then, but also today. They have blessed other nations uh, in, in Europe at that time. And so, um, so the, the common sense that, I'm sorry, the common feeling of the people of Slovenia about those fathers of the nation is pleasant. Is uh, we are proud of them. We, we are glad that we are their uh, descendants in a sense. So we thought if, but at the same time, most of them don't know that the Jesus and the Bible were at the heart of those men. And that's what they, that's what made them who they were. Um, that's what made them loving and caring and respectful and hardworking and all the things because it was Jesus who touched and changed their lives. It was the Word of God that changed their lives. So we were we were hoping that by using uh, their names and, and and using their work and just in a sense bring it back after all these four and some centuries back to modern times. Um, Maybe that would be a way to introduce the gospel in in this respectful way. These men who have uh, proven to 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 have an honorable life and uh, such a wonderful life for for their nation and for other nations have written about the love of God and how God uh, um, loves people and changes people. I have done all these things, including translating the Bible. So we thought if we translate at least a portion of that first Slovenian Bible and bring it back into the culture today because nobody modernized it in 430 years. It's like reading King James 1611 today. <laughs> I've tried it. <laughs> now I'm, a, I'm not a native English speaker but uh, I think even for Eng native English speakers it's a difficult thing. Right. Well, it's, it's something like that. Right. The old Slovenian is distanced, has been distanced in that way. Mm -hmm. So we've modernized the New Testament, mm -hmm. and we were hoping that uh, by modernizing and bringing it back and say, look, this is the first Slovenian translation. Uh, after 430 years, uh, it has been a top-notch translation at that time. This is the, the book, the Bible has been the book upon which our culture has been, in a sense, established and and, and, and blessed, <clears throat> would, would you want to read it? 
So it, that was the kind of uh, invitation, in a sense. So uh, during this process, as we were trying to finish the New Testament portion, the Lord brought people that we never met, never knew. And there's a, a mission organization in uh, um, Europe, Eastern uh, European mission. They heard about the project somehow, called us up, and they said, hey, we would like to partner with you, uh, especially in 217. Uh, there was a 500th anniversary of the Reformation. We would like to partner with you and we would like to print for you and make that as a gift to the Slovenian people. So long story short, they basically printed um, 50,000 copies. It's, it's incredible. In Slovenia, the best book uh, sells several hundred just because the market is small. Slovenia as a country is small, only 2 million people. Um, so, they, but they printed 50,000 copies, and we, you know, what do you do with 50,000 <laughs> copies of the New Testament? I mean, right. you can't keep it in your basement, you know, it's, it's basically two 18-wheelers of books. <laughs> And so we were, we obviously, we were thankful to the Lord for that and pleasantly surprised, I mean, not just surprised, amazed. Um, and the, uh, when the whole thing happened, the press conference and everything else, the news reporters constantly kept asking us, was that a typo? You know, 50,000, is it maybe 5,000 or 500, you know? But we said, no, it's 50,000. So uh, they, they, they were kind and gracious. Uh, enough to, to do that for us and as the year 2017 was rolling and the books came to Slovenia we we wanted other churches in Slovenia to be blessed by that gift and so we gave the pastors and the evangelical churches uh, the, the usage of the books and uh, basically September, October, November in three months um, basically all of the books were gone. Uh, we had to stop giving them away because they were going so fast. And we realized we were not going to have any more for, for the next year, 2018 and 19 or so. Um, it, it was just amazing to see how people uh, responded, Slovenian people responded to the New Testament that was part of the first Slovenian Bible from the 16th century. They, they received it with awe, they received it with amazement. They couldn't believe it was a free gift. Uh, those kind of books would cost, I don't know, I'm estimating maybe $40, $50, and it was a free gift. And so they realized the gravity of the book and um, <clears throat> the quality. It's also beautiful if you look at it. The, the designers did an amazing job. And so we, we were privileged to to give some of those books to the president of the country, to some other um, high-ranking officials, and, and all of them received the gift with, um, with pleasure and with uh, gladness. And uh, awesome. many people basically were saying, I want to read it now. Now, whether they did it or not, I, don't, I didn't, right. <laughs> didn't go and check. <laughs> but but it, was, it was a surprising thing because if you had a if you had a table outside here in Charlotte or somewhere else in the States and you had, I don't know, a couple hundred New Testaments there and just sitting there and people walking by, my assumption is not many would pick it up regardless of how good it looks. Um, 
and that's the same. They would wonder what's the catch. They would wonder what's the catch, and Slovenian people think the same way. Okay. But when they saw this, they real they, they recognized the name of the first translator. They recognized the, the title, the Bible, from from this guy, and they said, "Wow, I'd like to have that. Can I have it for my grandmother? Can I have it for my uncle?" And it was amazing because we had um, such an amazing response from uh, from atheists, from various religious people, um, some TV programs and, and uh, news reporters and uh, uh, public libraries invited us to come and tell the story about that Slovenian Bible, what it meant in the past, what is the history, what's the Bible all about. So. We talked a little bit about apologetics in terms that the Bible is historically and textually reliable book and all these things. And eventually we had an opportunity to share the content of the Bible, which is um, the hope that is found in Christ. And um, <clears throat> so that's that's really, in a sense, uh, a, st a story of eight, nine years of work and preparation in a nutshell. And so far, we have received only only positive responses. And, and still now, schools and libraries would call us and they say, do you have any copies left? We have some kids, we would like to um, give them a gift for special achievements or something like that. And we think this would be the book to give them. And so it's, uh, we are we're sincerely uh, humbled by this wonderful thing that God has done. And we are glad that uh, people responded in, in, such a, in such a way. One of the most fascinating things that, that you and I discussed yesterday, or Tuesday, uh, was the group that spread this the most between the atheists. Could you, could you talk just a little bit about that? Yes, we, are, we were very uh, pleasantly surprised that um, a group of people that helped a lot with um, in, in terms of interest and promoting and actually even passing the, the New Testaments uh, was were atheists and um, they were the ones that are realizing that the, the cultural value of the book of the New Testament and the men who are behind that book the, the, those two uh, fathers of the nation mm -hmm. so uh, I think they were probably impressed. I don't know all the reasons. So <laughs> I'm still baffled today. Yeah. But I think it shows one thing that if we bring if we bring the gospel openly, you know, we're not hiding anything. Everybody knows what it is. Um, but if you bring the gospel in a respectful and meaningful and culturally relevant way, even people who do not believe in God, they see the value. And they and they see the um, the, the importance um, and the blessing, as I call it, of of the book and and the uh, and, and the history behind it. And they are actually willing to, to, to help you promote it, because in a sense it's almost almost like rediscovering the Bible or rediscovering Christ in its true um, in its true way, you know without uh, all the, um, the weight of, of cultural deception and, um, I don't know, uh, all, the, all the baggage that comes along with that through, through time. So if you bring the Bible 
in a meaningful way, in a respectful way, and if we bring Christ in a meaningful and respectful way, we have noticed that, um, that even atheists respond in such an um, amazing way. Um, they don't want to fight. Uh, actually, so many times we've seen, they are the ones that are saying, telling us, giving us idea. You know, what should we do to bring more people to this event? Um, can, can we have another event, you know, uh, they moderated um, our, Q, uh, our events Q&A times and things like that. So, um, I think we've learned a lot in this sense that we as Christians, as we bring the Word of God and as we bring Christ, obviously they need to see it in our lives. And if we bring uh, Christ as is and the Bible as is, um, people tend to respond uh, with, uh, in, a, in a kind way and, and who knows, some of them may even read and consider uh, the Word of God, but here is, here is what I think it's, uh, that's what I think it's so important, um, to bring the Bible and to bring Christ in, uh, in a meaningful and respectful way to the people who are hurt. And so they can start their own discovery of Christ without pushing it down their throat, you know, that, like I said earlier, that the pie, you can bring it into somebody's face or as serving. So I don't know, that's, that's our um, summary in a sense, and maybe just the last thought. Um, we found that these, uh, this, this cultural history, the background, you know, 400 years ago, it, it, it works almost like a key to the hearts of the culture, to, to the hearts of the people. And so we're trying to encourage uh, various mission organizations and pastors and churches and just people on the streets to find those cultural footprints that, that God left centuries ago, which you can use to meaningfully bring the message of Christ, uh, the message of hope. Uh, to modern people because they are looking for their roots. They're looking for meaning. They're the ones who are looking for identity. And so these are the men that we found in Slovenian culture. And it seems to be making a very positive effect on the people. And I'm sure God has walked in other cultures as well. And if we rediscover that, uh, yeah, even atheists respond in a pleasant way. We want to thank Benjamin for sharing his faith journey with us today, and we're praying for his continued work in Slovenia. Hopefully, listening in on our coffee shop conversation ignites a little more hope in your heart today. Special thanks to artist Blue Dot Sessions, Jay Blank, Audio Benger, Himalaya, Lobo Loco, and Chad Crouch for today's soundtrack. Rhythm Nation, know that we are listener-supported and that we only exist because of supporters like you. If you love content like this, please go to therhythmoffaith.com and give. Until next time, one love. This was a Terp Studios production.